And when I came groveling back home, he didn't treat me like a servant. He didn't bring me back like a servant. He brought me back like I was his son. Hi, this is Pastor Jones. We want to welcome you back to the vineyard. Today we want to take a look at Luke 15. And we want to give you a picture of God's grace. We pray that you'll be able to look at this text today and come away with a deeper understanding of the grace of God. Let's go into the message. I want to, first of all, give praise and honor and glory to our God and our Father, Jesus, who is the Christ. Uh, give glory and honor to God who makes all things possible. And uh, again, just to thank God for this day and how God has continued to bless each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. And to Bishop Stars and Mrs. Stars in their absence, to Reverend Wanda Cutperson, to Reverend Alicia Starnes, to Reverend Taisha Cutperson, and to the family and the friends and the officers of the Wesley AME Zion Church, I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to just lift up uh, verses... 20 and 21 from the text that was read earlier from Luke chapter 15. I want to lift up verses 20 and 21. However, we will allow the whole uh, text from 11 through 32 to serve as our preaching text for this morning. Verse 20 and 21 read. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming filled with love and compassion he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him his son said to him father i have sinned against both heaven and you and i'm no longer worthy of being called your son amen amen i want to share this morning from the subject of the father's grace the Father's grace. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we bless you. We thank you. We give glory. We give honor to your name. God, because of you, all things are possible. Because of you, God, life is possible. So, Father, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you. We ask now, God, that you would come in all of your glory and all of your power. And that you would use me for your will and your glory, Father. Fill me afresh, O Lord. Anoint me afresh, O oh God, to be of service to your people and to your kingdom. And I pray, Father, that you would use me until you have used me up. And I ask now, God, that you would open our ears and help us to listen. Open our hearts, for we want to feel and receive Jesus Christ. And open our eyes, O oh God, that we might see him. God, we bless you. We thank you. We give glory. We give honor to your name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The Father's grace. Some people have said that they relate to God because of their relationship with an earthly father. I would dare say that we are doing ourselves a disservice if we are relating to God according to an earthly father. When you think about an earthly father, sometimes they don't reflect the best of character. Or sometimes they don't reflect the character that we need to experience the most in our lives. And they have projected the character of earthly fathers onto God and the Father. And if their projected character of a human father onto a godly father, it, it will do more damage to our lives than it will do good for us. How we see God and how we relate to God, it really matters greatly. 
You see, if we see God only from the perspective of a judge who will judge us, then we are missing out on God's love. If we view God only as caring for those who are perfect, then we will miss out on God's goodness. And if we only view God as somebody who counts as sin and is a sin tracker, then we are missing out on the grace of God. Many of us approach God the same way that we approach one another as humans. You see, we act judgmental towards each other and have no sense of compassion or mercy. We hold people to the standard of perfection when we don't hold that standard in our own lives. We act as if we are, it's our job to keep people in remembrance of their sins. See, if we are viewing God in light of human experiences, we will miss out on experiencing the greatest fatherly experience that we could ever have because we are not experiencing God in all of his love, his goodness, and his grace. The first thing that I want us to see out of our text this morning is this. The Father is merciful. Yes, the Father is merciful. When we look at verses 11 through 12, we'll see that the Father is full of mercy. Most of us are familiar with this text because we heard this text maybe preached on several occasions and it's known as the prodigal son. And I've recently heard a lot of people challenge that, that title of prodigal son. And as I began to hear more and more people challenge that, that title prodigal son, I began to dig into it myself. And they, they are probably absolutely right that it'd be more uh, addressed as the prodigal father. While the son in the story may be the one that's lost, I think we've gotten the wrong idea and we've gotten the idea of prodigal meaning somebody that's lost, somebody that's off course or somebody that's outside of the house. But when you think about the word prodigal, it really means to give in a, a ridiculously lavish way or even in a foolishly lavish way to give. And yes, that's what God is to us. He is a father that gives to us lavishly. He gives to us on a great level. He gives to us in a ridiculous level because I don't know about you. Have you ever thought about the love, the mercy and the grace that God has given us and how lavish of love God has displayed upon us and how lavish he was when he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, on the cross at Calvary? That is a father who is willing to give his all and to give his best. So when I looked at this text, I began to think about it from the different perspective and I began to look at it from the perspective of grace. And when you talk about the grace of the father or the father's grace, you began to see that the father was merciful. Yes, we all know that this son in this story, this, this younger son, he decides that he wants to petition his father for the money that's coming to him after the father dies. We've also heard that this is the same way of the son declaring to the father that I wish you were dead because the only way he was going to get his inheritance is if the father is dead. But the father shows some mercy. He gives the son something that he doesn't deserve. He, he, he withholds what he could have given to the son. He withholds the wrath that he could have given to the son because he's reserved the right to have the son stoned to death for asking for his inheritance early and for wishing upon the father that the father was dead. But the father is said extends mercy toward the son. The father gives mercy towards him. We can identify with that because it's the same mercy that God extended toward each of us. 
You see, the father let the son have his way. He let the son live life on his terms. Does that sound familiar to us? Yes, God let us have our way. He let us live life on our terms. But all the while he was seeking to bring us into reconciliation with him. All the while he was seeking to bring us into a right and loving relationship with him. God extended mercy towards us when he should have extended his wrath. God extended mercy towards us when he could have given us justice instead. Aren't you glad that God extended mercy your way rather than giving you what you deserve? Aren't you glad that God extended mercy and grace into your life, bringing about a different outcome upon you rather than bringing about the death and the judgment that we are all deserving of? You see, the father deals with this son in a merciful way. But I also began to see that the father took upon the shame of the son. What are you talking about, Jones? Well, in that custom, the, the father would have to liquidate his assets if he's going to be able to give the son what he's requested. The son said, give me what's rightfully mine. Give me what's due me once you die and leave this world. Well, the father is going to have to take all of his assets and he's going to have to begin to sell and liquidate his assets in order to be able to give the son what he's requested. And when you're trying to sell something in a short manner, you usually get the short end of the stick. You don't get the price that you could have paid for it. People are probably questioning, why are you selling your possessions? Why are you willing to sell these things at such a low price? And once everyone found out that he was given the money to the son, once everyone found out that he was given the son what he has requested, the shame became came upon that family. And the father was willing to endure the shame that the son was bringing upon him. He was willing to suffer the loss of the quick sales in order to present the son with what he has requested. See, the father understands that in that community, they considered that son just as good as dead. The son no longer had any rights in the community once he did what he did. He no longer had any standing in the community because he was considered dead by the community as well as the family. And in fact, if the father would have did what was allowed him, he would have had a custom ceremony just for that son to acknowledge that he is no longer part of their family and that he's no longer deserving to be treated like a part of the family or to be a part of their community. And they would either run him out of town or they would stone him as a young man. But the father instead was merciful towards his son. The father instead endured the shame that the son brought upon him. Don't we understand that God has endured our shame through his son, Jesus Christ? It said Jesus Christ went to the cross for the shame that was set before. He went to the cross for the shame that we brought upon him. He went to the cross to take shame for us. He went to the cross of Calvary to pay our sin debt. And when I look at this story, that's nothing but the grace of God the Father. It's the Father's grace that I'm seeing in the story because he gave mercy instead of judgment. He gave mercy instead of what was rightly due unto this younger son. I'm so glad and I'm so grateful that the son did not get stoned to death, but instead the Father chose to extend mercy towards him. This, this text here, this story is a story about God the Father and His grace. It's a picture of God and His grace. It's a picture of God and His goodness. It's a picture of God and His love. And the first snapshot that we see is that God is merciful.
and he's extended mercy towards each and every one of us along with his grace. Aren't you glad that God gave you mercy instead of what we were rightly deserving of? I'm grateful that God gave me mercy instead. I'm grateful that God reached down into my life and gave me mercy and grace instead of the judgment and the death that I was so deserving of. I pray that you are grateful today too. I pray that you can see the grace in this text and I pray that you can see the mercy of the father in this text, but not only the mercy of the father, but the mercy of God, the father in the text. But I noticed that not only did this father have mercy, but I notice also that this father is a wise and understanding father. Yes, the father was wise and understanding. When you look at verses 13 through 19, you'll see that the father knows that the son has something to learn. God knows that each of us has something to learn in this life. He knows that none of us will get it all right. He knows that none of us have it all together. He knows that we don't have the understanding that we should have. Do you remember when you were younger, how you used to act? Remember when you used to operate in a level of foolishness like no other? Hallelujah. I'll speak for myself. Hey, man. But remember, the older you got, you started to mature. You started to realize that some of the things that you did in your youth were just flat out ridiculous. Some of the things that you did in your youth were just flat out foolish. But aren't you so grateful and so thankful? And yes, I've often told people that my mama gave us enough rope to allow us to learn and to grow in our freedom. She didn't let us run wild, but she gave us enough rope to let us go in life and, and learn some lessons or two through life experiences. And that's what this father is doing for this young man. He's allowing his son to go out and learn and live life. He's given the son what he's requested and he's allowing him to go out into life and experience life. He's allowing this son to go and the Bible says to the distant land. And as the son finds himself in the distant land, because the text says not many days after the father had given him his inheritance, he packed up and he left for a distant land. But it goes on to say that he he spent all of his money on riotous living. He was spending all of his money on on wild living because he had made his way to the distant land. Before you start to look at the son and look at him crazy, we got to remember that we were either in the distant land or we are currently in the distant land ourselves. Yes, we are in the distant land or we have been in the distant land ourselves. The distant land doesn't have to be a land that's far away, but it, ha it may be a position that we're in in life. Yeah, you may not be in a distant country, but you're in a distant land right where you are. You're outside of the will of God. You're outside of the ark of safety of God. You're outside of the, the joy of the Lord. You're outside of the love and the protection of God. You're in a distant land. And we find ourselves in a distant land. And when we're in that distant land, we'll find ourselves alone and just uh, desperate because we're in a distant land because we're away from the father. How severe does the famine have to get in your life before you begin to think about where you are with God? How severe does the famine have to get in our lives before we realize that it was better off being at the father's house? How many of us understand it's better being with God than being in the distant land? It's better to be with God than be in the wilderness. But this son found himself in a distant land. And it said that while he was there in that distant land, that he said he lost all of his money because he spent it all up partying and having a good time. 
He spent it all up entertaining people and, and buying dinner for everybody that would hang out with him. But as soon as his money was gone, all of his friends were gone. He didn't have real friendships. He didn't have true connections. He didn't have true relationships. He only had people around him for what they could get out of him. And as a result, after he had spent all he had, it said he became a bee in need. Yes, it said that he was such a desperate need. He was in such a desperate state that it said he attached himself to someone who ran a pig farm. And it said he was willing to slop the pigs. And it said that it was so, so hungry that he looked at the food that the pigs were eating and he wanted to eat that. And as he was doing this job, imagine him, a young Jewish boy. One of the worst things you could do is be associated with the swine or with the pigs. As a young Jewish boy, he took one of the worst jobs he could ever have in his life. He had gone to such a low state. The question is, how low do we have to go before we come to our senses? How low do we have to go before we come to ourselves? How low do we go before we have to realize that God is a good God and we were better off in the relationship that we had with the father than outside of the father's house? How far will we have to go? How deep and severe does the famine in our lives have to be? Well, it says that the son came to himself and he began to come up with a plan and say, I know what I'll do. I'll go back to my father's house. Because he said, even in my father's house, the servants are treated good. Even in my father's house, the servants have enough to eat. In his desperate, defiled state with no fellowship and starving, he realized that I got to go back to the father's house. I've got to get back into my father's graces. I've got to go back into the presence of my father. I've got to go back and reestablish a relationship with my father. That's talking to somebody right now. It's time for you to come back home. It's time for you to get reestablished with God the father. It's time for you to get yourself back in order. Yes, you're out there. And you're in a desperate state. You may even find yourself in a defiled state all alone and starving spiritually, but it's time to come back home. It's time to establish a relationship with the father. But this son also represents those who are lost. It's time for you to come out of the lost state and realize that God, the father has enough mercy for you, that God, the father has enough grace for you, that God is wise and understanding. Yes, because God's wisdom and his understanding, he knew that this son needed to learn a lesson. He knew that the son needed to go through some things in life. So the father allowed the son to have his way. He allowed the son to live his life. And notice that when the son came to himself, he said, I've got to go back to my father's house because my father's house is where I miss. My father's house is where I truly lived and enjoyed life. On my father's house, there was always more than enough. In my father's house, there was plenty of joy. In my father's house, there was grace forevermore. In my father's house, we've got to learn that God is wise and understanding. He may give us some rope and let us run for a little while. But he does it so that we will come to ourselves and come to the understanding that it's better to be with the father. Amen. Amen. But as I continue to look at our text, I began to see that also the father has great compassion. Yes, the father has great compassion. When you look at verses 20 and 21, you can see the compassion and the heart of the father. Yes, see, the, the father, it says, was standing out there waiting and looking when the sun began to come across the horizon. And it said the father saw him when he was a great ways off. 
And as the father saw him at a great ways off, the father began to realize that's my son. The father was looking for the son to come back. The father understood out of his wisdom and his understanding that the son is going to realize life is not as easy as he thinks. That life is harder than it looks like because you've been in the father's house. But now that he sees the son coming back, it said that the father began to see him a great ways off and, and said he ran to meet the son. The father again is enduring shame because Jewish men over 25 don't run. Jewish men over 25 don't do those types of things. But it said the father gathered up his robe and he ran out to meet his son. And it says as he ran out to meet his son, he fell on his neck and he began to kiss on the son. But then the son tries to go through his spiel and he begins to try to tell the father, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. But that's all that the son could get out. He couldn't finish his repentance speech. He couldn't finish the speech that he had rehearsed. He couldn't finish the path that he wanted to take to come back and be restored with the father. Because the father had such great compassion, because the father was showing the son such great love, because the father was showing the son that he had a heart for him. And you can see the heart for the son because the father was looking for the son. I believe that the father was out there every day looking for the return of his son. Every day the father was out there looking for his son to come back. Every day the father was out there anticipating his son returning home. And you can see that in his response to the son, the father looked out for the son every day. And as the son approached, he began to run to meet the son. Again, the community had the right to reject the son because you don't just walk back into the community after doing what this younger son has done. You got to go and get permission to come back. And anybody that saw him before the father saw him could have taken the son out. They could have stoned the son. They could have abused the son verbally and physically because of how he treated his father. But instead, the father runs out to meet the son and he engages the son with a warm hug and a, and a kiss. And he lets the son know that he loves him, that he has compassion and love for him. Yes, the father's compassion is seen in his actions. He ran to meet him. He embraced him and he kissed him. I kiss you just as you are. It doesn't say that the son cleaned up from coming and working in the pig farm. It just says the son decided to go back home. The father met the son in all of his filth and his dirt. The father met the son in all of his nastiness and his defiled state. He met him where and he loved on him. Oh my God, that's a picture for us. When God the Father came running to us, we, he fell upon us and he loved on us. He kept us and he came to us even in our defiled state. God the Father was willing to love on us. He came and put his arms around us even in our defiled state because the Father understood that we were coming to him. The Father understood that we were coming home and he was willing to love on us even though we were filled and covered with dirt. Even though we were filled with evil and animosity, the Father was willing to love on us. Aren't you glad that the Father was willing to love on you while you were defiled? Aren't you glad that the Father was willing to love on you when you were caught up in the midst of sin? And guess what? He won't stop loving you. The Father never stopped loving you. That's the reason that he went out 
to meet the son because he never stopped loving him. That's the reason that he was looking for the son because he never stopped loving him. God never stopped loving you. He never stopped loving me. That God has been looking for us all the time. And yes, he's waited on some of us to come and he's still waiting on some of us to come to him. He's waiting with open arm. He's waiting with loving arm for us to come into his kingdom. The father wants to have a loving relationship because the father has great compassion. Don't let that compassion go to fail. Let God love on you. Come into a right relationship with the father. But it's all because of the grace of God. You can see God's grace through his compassion for this son. Yes, the father has compassion for this younger son. And we see it in his actions toward the younger son. That God has allowed this younger son to return home. He's allowed this younger son to come back to the father's house. And as he makes his way back to the father's house, the father meets him with love. The same way that God meets us with love when we come to him. The father has great grace and he wants to share it with each and every one of us. But not only do I see that the father has compassion. I also began to see that the father is filled with grace. Yes, the father is filled with grace. When you look at this text in verses 22 through 32, you can see how much grace the father has. It says the father begins to call his servants together. And he says, bring me the robe, bring me the signet ring, bring me some sandals to put on his feet. And then he tells them to kill the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate tonight. And even as the father is celebrating, and he's celebrating that his son has come back home, the son that was considered dead is now alive again. The son that was lost is now found. The father and the rest of the house are celebrating. But before we get too much into the celebration, we have to realize that there are two sons. There's the older son. Then there's the younger son. The older son is still at the house. The older son has never left the father's house. The older son has remained in the company of the father. The older son has remained in the service of the father. The older son has always been there. But yet it says he does not come to the party. The text says that when the older son is coming in from the field, he hears the noise of the celebration. And he inquires to one of the servants what's happening. And the servant said, your father has killed the fatted calf. Now, I believe that set him off right there. And he says, he killed the fatted calf because your younger brother has returned home. Oh, hallelujah. The son began to feel indignant. And instead of going in the house and celebrating with the rest of them, he stays outside. The grace of the father is seen because he comes to the older son. He comes to the older son and he says, why aren't you inside celebrating with the rest of us? And the older son shows you his true character. He says, you're in the house celebrating with that man, that child of yours, that, that, that boy of yours. You're in the house celebrating with him because he spent all of his money. And wild living. He spent all of his money on prostitutes and drinking and gambling. He spent all of the money. He spent the wealth that was coming to us. He took down the wealth of this family just so, out, so he could go out and live out his own dreams. And now he's wasted all of the money.
But the father tells the older son, isn't everything that I own yours? Haven't you been here all this time? Haven't you experienced the same love from me that I've given to the younger son? And then he says to something to him at the end, he says, your brother, not that son of yours, but your brother is now alive. He was lost, but he's now found. The father extends grace to not only the younger son, but he also extends grace to the older son as well. But if we make our way back to the younger son, you see the grace of the father because he restores the son. He restores him by first giving him, he says, bring me the best robe. Hallelujah. Whose robe do you think that was? It was the father's robe. The best robe in the house belonged to the father. The father says, I'll cover you. He says, bring me the best robe. I'm going to cover everything that you've done. I'm going to cover all of the sins and the mistakes that you made. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to be getting excited right now because God covered all of our mistakes. He's covered all of our sins and he's given us the covering of the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. The same way the father in the text has covered his son, God has covered us. And not only did God cover him, he said that God said, God also, he said he gave him the signet ring. He gave him authority again. He gave him the ability to do family business again because the signet ring was a way of being able to do family business. It was your way of signing documents by putting the signet ring into the clay stamp upon any letter or official business document. The father was giving the son authority again. He didn't just let him come back and be a part of the servant crew like the young man wanted to. That's all he wanted to do was come back and be a part of the servants. I work out in the field, God. I, you don't have to, to bring me back as a son, but I'm going to work out in the field for you as a servant. But the father says, no, I'm going to bring you back as a son. You're my child and I'm going to bring you back like my child. I'm not going to make you a servant out of you. But it was also a sign to the servants that he is to be treated like my child. That's why you see him put the sandals on his feet because the son, the children of the house had sandals on their feet. They weren't like the servants went around barefooted, but he put sandals on the son's feet to let the servants know that he's part of the family again, that he's coming back as my son and not a servant. So you need to treat him like a son and not a servant. Hallelujah. I know the world wants to treat you like you are a servant. I know the world wants to treat you like you're a slave, but you got to understand that God says, I'm bringing you back as a child. I brought you into my kingdom as a child. I'm not bringing you in as a servant and as a slave, but I'm bringing you in as a child and I'm bringing you in as one to be honored. I'm bringing you in as one who has the authority. And as they began to celebrate, they killed the fatted calf. The fatted calf was reserved for just the most prestigious celebrations that there ever could be. Yes, the fatted calf was only killed for special occasions. And when the oldest son heard that the fatted calf had been killed, he got indignant because he said, how is it that you're now even spending more money on this son of yours that ran off and spent up all our other money. Yes, the son has already wasted the family's money by going out and living life on his own terms. But now that he's come back, the father is willing to spend even more money on this son. He's willing to give even more because the son is now returned home. Oh, hallelujah. That's why you can call it the prodigal father. Because now you can see that the father is being lavish in his giving upon the son. He was already lavish in his giving to the son in the first place. But now he gives even more to the son that's now returned home. The father has been giving... And 
and giving to the son. He's been showing the son all along that I love you. And God has been doing the same thing to us. He's been giving and giving to us all along. He's been giving and giving to us each and every day. He's been giving us life. He's been giving us health. He's been giving us strength. He's been giving us a right mind. He's been giving us his grace all along. We're saved by the grace of God. We're in right fellowship by the grace of God. We experience the love of God only by the grace of God because God is filled with grace. He's full of grace. And because he's full of grace, he extends his grace to you and to me that we might see all of his goodness, that we might get to experience all of the goodness of God being worked into our lives. Even though we're unworthy, even though we shouldn't have God doing this for us, he said, I'm going to do it anyhow. I'm going to bless you anyhow. I'm going to extend grace to you anyhow, because God wants us to experience the goodness of his grace. He wants us to experience his love, his compassion, his wise and understanding heart. He wants us to experience all that he has for us. And he's willing to be gracious in our lives. He's willing to bring us back as the sons and daughters. He's willing to deal with our situations and our circumstances. And when I think about this younger son, I don't know about you, but I began to sometimes put myself in the text and I wonder how would I feel here? The father has already given me money and he, he's already allowed me to go out and live life in my own way and under my own terms. And, and I had to come to myself. And when I came groveling back home, he didn't treat me like a servant. He didn't bring me back like a servant. He brought me back like I was his son. And if he brings me back and, and now they killed the fatted calf. Now, maybe you would be there and you'd be celebrating with everybody else. Maybe you would be in line doing the electric slide and, and all the other things like everybody else. But I just wondered if the son was sitting there thinking to himself that I am undeserving of all of this, that I'm undeserving of all that the father is doing for me in this moment, that I should have never left my father's house. The son now sees how good the father is. He sees that the father's love has been great. He just didn't recognize it. I put myself in that and I wonder how would I respond in this moment? Would I be celebrating and dancing with everyone else? Or would I be sitting there wondering, how could God, how could this father be so good to us? How could he be so good to me? And maybe you've been wondering, how can God be so good to you? Because that's who he is. Jesus said, there's none good but the Father, because God is good. His goodness, he wants to share with all of us. And even when I think about the older son, some of us can be like the older son as well. We've been in the house the whole time, but lost. We've been in the house the whole time, but serving with the wrong mentality and the wrong heart. We've been in the service all the time, but not serving for the right reason. And when God approaches us and he begins to deal with us in our older son mentality. Yeah, you've been in the house, but why? Yeah, you've been serving, but why? You've been doing, but what's been your real heart? And when we understand that God wants us to serve from a heart of love, he wants us to serve out of the relationship that we have with him. He doesn't want us to be like this older son, serving out of duty, serving out of anger, serving only because of what he could get, not because of who the father was in his life.
So the father has to go out to the older son as well and put grace into his life. He has to go out to the older son and tell him, isn't everything that I have yours? Have I not been good to you too? He said, you never killed a goat for me and my friends to party. But this son of yours, you killed a fatty calf. Don't worry about what everybody else is getting. Just worry about the relationship that you have with the father. And if that relationship is a relationship built upon love, if that relationship is built upon the understanding that God has been gracious to you, that's how we approach the father. We approach the father because we love him. We approach the father because we realize that the father is good no matter what. We approach the father because we realize that the father's house is the best place for us. And when we come to ourselves, we come to our understanding, whether you're lost in a distant land or whether you're lost in, in the house, we all need to experience the grace of the father. And as I shared to you in the beginning of this series, this is one parable being told in three stories. And in each case, you can see it's a parable about the lost and the found. It's a first story was about those that were lost in the wilderness, those that were lost and outside. But the shepherd, God, went looking for the lost and brought them back in. The second story was about being lost and in the house. Yes, we can be in the house and still be lost. But if you notice that the intimacy grew with each story from one in a hundred to one in 10 to the final story of the two sons, one in two, God wants us to have an intimate relationship with him. The story grows in intimacy as it goes along. We have to understand that our life of intimacy with God must grow as we go along through life. And we come to that place, no matter if you outside of the house, lost in the wilderness, or if you're in the house and lost, we need to experience the grace of God. God wants us to come to him. He wants to us to come to ourselves and understand and realize that we are better off in the father's house. So I pray today that you've seen a greater picture of the father. And I'm talking about God, the father. I pray that you've seen the grace of God the Father and that you realize that his grace has been worked into our lives. The question is, what are we going to do? How are we going to respond to the grace of God that he's working in our lives? How are we going to share the goodness of the Lord? And I want to ask you this question now. Are you lost and outside of the house or are you in the house and lost? It doesn't matter. Either way, we're lost. I want to offer you an opportunity to come in. I want to offer you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Just pray with me. Father, I realize that I'm lost. I realize, oh God, that I'm better off with you and that I need you in my life. I ask now, God, that you would save me. Bring me into a right relationship with you. God, I, I, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your saving grace. 
And I now put my faith in the work of your son, Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross at Calvary for my sins. And I accept his atoning work. And I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I ask again, God, that you will forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of the wrong that I've done. And I ask God that you would come into my life and fill me with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for bringing me into your kingdom. And I thank you, God, for loving on me and shedding grace upon me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer, why don't you drop us a line at WesleyOnMain at Yahoo.com. That's WesleyOnMain at Yahoo.com to let us know that you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We want to connect with you that we might help you to grow. We want to connect with you that we can further explain how the grace of God works in your life. Why don't you connect with us so that we can walk with you through this new life that you're now living. Until next time, God bless.